Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right. So once again, thank you, uh, Pastor Bernard, for joining us. And we just uh, had an opportunity to look at both screeners, the, the one for that covered Pontius Pilate, as well as the, the piece that covered Lazarus, and found both of them um, fascinating. And we wanted to kick it off just by kind of asking you, um, how do you think these programs can encourage faith in God? Well, first of all, the platform. CNN is a respected journalistic platform uh, that prides itself in trying to be as center as possible politically and dealing with social issues as well. And here they take on a a project of faith, not just interfaith to try to please everyone, but a specific faith, and that is the faith of Christianity. So to have something like this that is conventionally aired on Discovery or uh, a Christian network, to have it aired and uh, produced by CNN on their platform, I think that is uh, exceptional. Absolutely. Because with that, you know, with that comes a degree of credibility in the minds of those who are skeptical uh, about the Christian faith. Certainly, when you have a platform like CNN doing this, it it, it does speak volumes and and will certainly attract a broader audience to uh, trying to look at this from a different perspective. So that that is uh, awesome. Um, what would you say was the most fascinating thing about your participation in this project? Ah, gosh, I you know shared this with others that uh, during my segment production. Uh, the producer intrigued my intrigued me by simply asking me to imagine what these individuals were like, what these characters were like, and you know to take it off the pages of the text and go into the context politically, socially, economically, and spiritually of that particular time. I found that to be quite intriguing, and I enjoyed the process. You know that that is fascinating that you that you mentioned that because in researching and reviewing information not only on the project itself but also on you and and your particular style of teaching, um, this kind of segues perfectly into that. Like in terms of the very practical nature uh, of your teaching of the biblical principles and and. and how you're able to convey complex truths in such a uh, regular, everyday way so that anybody can understand. How did working on this project and taking off on that idea that you talk about, seeing it in the context of the time socially, politically, economically, how did that uh, further uh, impact or bolster um, your methods of communicating the gospel. 
Well, I, I, I think you've described it pretty well in, in describing my style of teaching. There are three things that I want to do when I communicate, and that is educate the mind, stir the heart, and motivate the will. And uh, it is my hopes that this is exactly what finding Jesus will do. <clears throat> Excuse me, I had a piece on uh, on Thomas, and, you know, he's called Doubting Thomas, and remembered mostly right. by doubting. But mm-hmm. I think of him more as a seeker, uh, someone who is going through a process of reasoning the things that he's seen and heard over the past three and a half years that he spent with this figure, and uh, this enigmatic figure uh, called Jesus. I think that he was trying to process it all and try to come to some conclusion. And even after his resurrection, as evidence, he was still trying to process it. And he symbolizes people today who've read the story, who get it and want to believe, but they're trying to make sense of it. And Christianity is, uh, is, is, is a, a, a religion of faith, and faith is a reasoned trust. The biblical texts give us a reason to believe. And I think that's what Thomas was wrestling with, and many, many can identify with that wrestling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, really trying to get a grasp on how do you deal with the things of, of faith, that's um, certainly a, a challenge for many believers or non-believers. Um, how do you think this this project will, or, or what, what should believers and non-believers take away uh, from this project, particularly building on the, the premise that you laid out with, the, with Thomas and not viewing him necessarily as a doubter, but as a seeker, how might that impact non-believers? I think that non-believers can can identify with that seeking, that searching. You know, one of the things that separates us as human beings from all other created beings uh, is that we reflect, we re- we ponder the meaning of life, the purpose of life, and uh, and the value of life. And that is present in every human being. And finding Jesus is less an investigation of the life of Jesus to prove something about him, and it's more of an exploration of the evidence, the writings, the archaeological findings, and the people involved in his story. And I think taking that approach disarms people who have an aversion to religion, especially Christianity. And by stripping them of those defenses, they come with open hearts and open minds. Now, you and I, as believers, don't need archaeological findings to legitimize, you know, what we believe. We believe right. regardless, but it's nice to have right. that supportive evidence to, great, to give greater legitimacy in the minds, uh, to the minds of those who don't believe and who are skeptical. Oh, that's, a, that's really an excellent point, uh, because... If you can strip it away from the the religious talk and nature of it, and really put it into a practical application where folks can fully grasp it, or or more tangibly grasp that, oh, these artifacts do point to this Jesus that we speak about. It it certainly does give greater credence to the argument. 
Yeah, and instead of putting Jesus on trial, uh, it really puts the evidence of the people who surrounded his life and the impact that it had on them that they would continue to spread Christianity. Because Christianity wasn't spread by Jesus himself. It was spread by those who were impacted by his life. Right. And and watching one of the screeners, uh, particularly the one on Lazarus, I was um, drawn into something that uh, Professor Michael Pepper uh, had said when he talked about uh, the suggestion that Lazarus might in fact be the person that was the disciple whom Jesus loved when probably from Sunday school on, we've always kind of been taught it's John. What did you what did you think about that and 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 how might you be able to expound upon that to give us greater clarity <laughs> in our readers? I, I I think that from the story of Lazarus and his sisters, uh, Mary and Martha, and the relationship that he uh, uh, according to the biblical text, had with them, shows just that, a special relationship between them. So the whole idea that John has been uh, traditionally uh, stated as the, 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 the disciple that Jesus loved, I think he loved all of them. I think he loved each of them in a special way, knowing their personality, their character, knowing their limitations, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, but I think that his love for John uh, in the text was distinguishing uh, the relationship that he had with Peter from the relationship that he had with John. And we can see by John's writings the depth into the person of Jesus, which would be the most important issue, because Jesus is still one of the most intriguing persons in human history, and he's different from any other religious leader in human history because <clears throat> excuse me, he draws most of the attention not to his doctrine, but to his person. And that is the greater debate. Who was he? Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And, and we spend so much time uh, looking at it in, in, certain, in some aspects from the other vantage point, so I can see how um, that would be helpful to provide clarity um, to a broader audience looking at Jesus and, and maybe reevaluating what they, what and how they view Jesus in, right. in, in light of the context that we're in now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, so, you, you take the pilot stone uh, because there are only a few extant writings be, be beyond the biblical text uh, that speak of Pontius Pilate. Um, right. But the stone and its inscription, uh, which is one of my favorites, you know, uh, clearly indicates that he was the governor of, of Judea, uh, confirming the biblical text, and 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 as a legitimate historical figure, you know, beyond the Gospels. Uh, and and having that kind of factual, tangible evidence in place that this guy really existed is certainly an awesome uh, piece to utilize in uh, further confirming the faith that we have and that we're attempting to share to the greater world, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it cha- it's evidence that demands a verdict. Ah, yes, one of my favorite books. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, two more things. Um, one, with Empowering Everyday Women uh, magazine, we serve uh, a primarily African-American uh, base of Christian women uh, who are contending for the faith, uh, really working with a large audience to address them on many different platforms, uh, either through podcasts, social media, different website properties that we have. Uh, in thinking about, and, and this is going a little bit away from the project, but in thinking about uh, your book on uh, four things that uh, women, women want, want from, from a man. man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What wisdom could you share to our readers in terms of how do they remain firm in their faith in such a rapidly changing society and the impact of social media and in the context of how do they also view a man uh, within that perspective? I think it begins with resolving their own identity crisis as a woman. And that is that their greatest value doesn't come from another man. It comes from God. Their greatest value is their value to God, who accepts them, who gives them a sense of identity. I think that's where it begins. Secondly, women need to have a process that they apply when entering into a relationship with a man that they can foresee themselves committing to. They have to have a process. In the book, I talk a little bit about the process of moving from introduction to acquaintance to building a friendship, then fellowshipping before the next stage of intimacy, which is experience in marriage. Uh, I wrote the book to give women a framework with which to make better decisions in their relationships with men and for men to have a standard for true manhood. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for the time you've provided us today. I am sure our readers at EEW Magazine are, are going to love the responses and are going to be looking forward to the premiere next week of uh, Finding Jesus, uh, Faith, Fact, and Forgery. Uh, Pastor Bernard, it has certainly been our pleasure speaking with you on today, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. God bless. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. Take care.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.